Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I help you, Chris Marler. I am Cameron Guerra. Marler, you're back. How does it feel? Kind of. Uh, uncomfortable. I, I should have never made all those Hugh Freeze memes and jokes and all. It's just a big, big heavy dose of karma. But um, yeah, I'm back. I feel I feel like I've like missed so much. But I'm excited. Not really? You've been you've been like there and you've been processing the big things that have been going on. It's one of those things that when in this job and people don't realize this when you're not just sitting on your computer from the moment you wake up until the moment you decide to shut it off and right. even then you're still checking your phone for stuff. There are things that little things that kind of slip through the cracks. But the good news is we're gonna get to all those things today. That's right. We have a ton of things that we're going to get to. We have an interview that we recorded with Adam Kramer, a.k.a. Kegs and Eggs, as we learn how Fantastic. to say, uh, on Twitter. So uh, definitely going to want to stay around for that. We are going to solve one Georgia fan's moving weekend issues, as we promised we would do a little bit, bit ago. Um, we've got week three SEC games with lines. We're going to do picks. We're going to do over-unders, the whole deal. Got some storylines that we want to get to. But before we do all of that, have to tell you about our new friends at Vintage Brand. Marla, you know that I love vintage t-shirts. I thought, I, I thought I this love was like your own startup company when I saw it. Like it's it's legit. It's life awesome. Goal. Life goal. If you seriously, like this isn't part of the ad read. Like if you have not checked this out, absolutely you need to do it. You're looking for some stuff, like maybe you're one of those people that always like maybe you buy like a personalized jersey of a current player or something like that. And then or even if it's just the number and you're like, ah, I'm kind of sick of doing that. I need some stuff that's timeless. This stuff is absolutely timeless. Yeah. That's the stuff that I love whenever I buy, you know, vintage t-shirts, stuff like that for for sports. They're always so great. You got a favorite logo that you love from the 1980s? That chances are vintage brand is going to have it. So yeah. definitely need to check that out. For those of you who don't know, it's a sports apparel and gift brand celebrating the rich history of American sporting culture. Their collection includes 10,000 digitally restored authentic vintage works of art reproduced on apparel, wall art, koozies, drinkware, and more. Relive your favorite SEC and Big Ten mascot designs, football teams, and bowl games. Vintage Brand is giving away a daily $100 promo codes. That's codes, multiple promo codes that they're giving away to email subscribers. Relive the game. Seriously. Go check it out. We we checked this stuff out earlier today, and I was like, "All right, if I was if I was a fan like a, like a diehard SEC fan of whatever team, I would want to hop all yeah. over a lot of this stuff. They they pretty much have like old logos on coffee mugs and, yeah, and posters. It's like all affordable because it's like it's it's all redone. Mm-hmm. It, it it looks really really cool. I, I saw a bunch of this last night because there's a, a couple. There was a ticket to one of the games. I can't find it now that I was actually at, like. From like just an old ticket, just an old ticket, yeah. But like they, like like you said, they've, they've redone everything, so it looks not modern, but it's like clear and it's it looks awesome. It looks awesome. It's like perfect for a yeah. man cave. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, you know, you got you got a man cave that you need to decorate. You want some stuff to be able to put on your wall. Some stuff that kind of makes you look like an adult. You can't just put posters yeah. up by themselves anymore. Yeah, if you got posters cave. on your walls, guys. We got to talk about that. You can't be having like yeah, a Boondock Saints poster when you're like 28 years old. That's like a once you graduate college thing. Yeah. You just need to be kind of over that phase in your life. All right, we've got a ton to get to. Uh, some weekly, some some midweek storylines that were just kind of all over the place. This is one of those weeks that well, hold you on. go into it. We have an okay. announcement to make. Oh, we do have an announcement right. to make. I almost skipped right past it. You um, go ahead. So sadly, it will just be me this weekend. We could not figure out the the travel with both. And I know that Connor's been traveling a whole bunch. I've been getting body parts removed. So we, I am going to be in Columbia, South Carolina this weekend, uh, the hottest place on earth, and we're going to be mm-hmm. throwing a tailgate. It's going to be our first tailgate down south, guys. 
So we will be at Cockaboost 19. I know you're thinking, like, oh, it's Uncle Chris. He's probably just going to have, like, some board games and a couple of solo cups. No, we're doing it big. We are doing it big. we got a lot of stuff to give away. We're going to be at Cockaboost 19 on the backside of Williams Price Stadium. Austin Kroll from Southern Charm and his brewery, King's Calling Brewery, will be providing beer uh, throughout the day. So we'll have stickers, T-shirts, free beer, as long as you are a subscriber to the podcast, um, getting you ready for the game, and it should be a lot of fun. I'm excited. If you're in a 100-mile radius of Columbia, even if you don't have a ticket to the game, this is probably something that you should Without a be doubt. going to. Without a doubt. And this then also... I said I wasn't going to say it, but I'll just I'll mention it. Come to the tailgate more than anything, guys. The tailgate's going to be a blast. Pastor Patty Sue's going to be there. Oh, that's right. That's a nice little bonus. That's right. Okay. Um, she's really excited to like do some like baking on Friday night for. It's, she's like in team mom mode already. Um, she, what's she bring to the tailgate? I don't know. I don't know. She she's got like a seven layer dip. Like a right can do that, attitude probably. <laughs> Her Tupperware collection it. is out of control. Um, but no, so Friday night, the night before the game, if you are in Columbia and you feel like driving what apparently is 30 miles outside or 30 minutes away, there's a, uh, comedy show that I will be headlining at oh Random boy. Tap. It's a, it's a brewer, not a brewery, but it's like a, it's a bar, I guess, um, in Elgin, South Carolina. So it's a, me and a couple of our friends and like listeners actually also be doing stand up. But if you've ever wondered what Uncle Chris sounds like without a filter, Come on out and oh, find boy. out, guys. Uh, it's it's again free beer, and then also Pat, that's Patty Sue's first time seeing me do stand up. Yeah, you. If nothing else, go to watch Patty Sue watching you. Yeah, that would be. She's good. gonna take the mic out of my hand at some point. But anyway, should be a fun <laughs> weekend. Hope to see y'all at both events. Over under two and a half times in which she says to you after the show, Christopher. Oh, with something related to. She'll say it during the show, like within the first minute and a half. I'm sure. <laughs> on that note, Christopher, uh, week. Three SEC storylines. It was a weird week in the SEC. Let, let's call it what yeah. it is. You go in thinking it's going to be kind of a sleepy matchup weekend for the for the conference, really for college football at large. And then the gift that keeps on giving. Let's start off with this Jeremy Pruitt quote. Because oh, taking midweek things, things things in Rocky Top right now. Um, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, the saving grace that you came back to was all right. Jeremy Pruitt has at least handled himself well off the field. He's not said a bunch of dumb things much like a certain intern Butch Jones has. And then Jeremy Pruitt said something that sounded very much like intern Butch Jones. He basically tried to use this metaphor of saying like, you know, the rats that go to the top of the Titanic when it's sinking, like we're going to find out who those people are. And he's trying to say like, all right, who wants to be on this team? Who doesn't want to be on this team? I get that. Here's the thing. You don't liken your team to the most historic sinking ship in American history. Or just the rats. That yeah, I mean, that that's a good one too. The, rats are bad. The Butch Jones thing, that was like sad because it was like, oh no, it's like a participation Champions trophy. Life. Yeah, that was also like, we have five star hearts. That was awful oh. and cheesy, but this is like does Jeremy Pruitt not understand the the plot of Titanic? Did he? Did, Does he? Did he see the end? I don't. Know I that. honestly, I mean, like, if you got to walk out of that, good for you, because it was it was terrible. But I mean, I I honestly think he doesn't get what happened. In the only way this could have been worse, he's like, you know, we want to find out who's got what it takes. Who's gonna be Billy Zane pretending to have a kid, getting on a lifeboat, <laughs> and and making it making it happen? It was, yeah, not the best reference there from Jeremy Pruitt. 
Um, just something that I think we kind of take for granted. First-year coach. Like, Oaks. he's not a first-year coach. He's a second-year coach. A first-time head coach, though. And at a high-profile program like Tennessee, when you start off 0-2, that's just like a thing you can't say because um, it makes you seem less aware of the entire situation. It's different if you're 0-2 at Troy. Shout-out Troy. Yeah. You know, they just win double digits every every single year. But a little bit, little bit different at Tennessee. Well, if you it's made like a court. Trojan horse comment or something like that, it would be even worse as well. I mean, like... It's just sad that he doesn't know what what this uh, what what Titanic is. But also, it's really sad that uh, one of us made a very bold prediction in the preseason about JG and Tennessee being so improved. And I'm pretty sure I owe people money for spray paint. Oh yeah, do you definitely do? You owe people fifty bucks. You said it was originally going to be a hundred bucks, yeah, and then you took it down to fifty bucks. Some good things are happening though at the Rock that we're going to get to later, and it might mean Ooh. too much. It's not really, and it might mean too much, but it's just a good feel-good story, and what's going to be probably a tough episode for Tennessee fans. Yeah, to listen we're going to build you up and break you down. We're, that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a nice little send-off. All right, Bama scheduling has been a very popular topic of discussion this week, and I guess this entire off-season. Really ever. I mean, it it kind of always is. So what happened was Bama was unhappy about getting a noon kickoff game for this uh, week four matchup against Southern Miss. Greg Byrne, the AD, Alabama President Stuart Bell, they come out with this pretty strongly worded statement. Yeah, per my last Um, email. Yeah, I mean, it cited how Bama has the most noon kickoff non-conference games in the SEC in the playoff era, which is a pretty specific stat, and I'm sure that took a little bit of time. It's real. It's, we it's, claim several that it. were not actual day games. It's just like in true fashion, like true Bama fashion. We claim several day <laughs> games that were actually played at night. So a weird a weird response to this because it, it was it was strange because everybody like, you know, people like Joel Klatt came out and basically said, how dare Alabama complain about this scheduling thing when they're the ones who have only played two non-conference road games um, it, basically in the last decade. So what, what were your thoughts seeing these comments come out and like what's, what side did you want to take on this whole I'm, thing? I want, I want to not be biased as much as possible, but this stuff always pisses me off because it's like, like I saw a tweet today that brought this up. Bama played USC and Florida State in back-to-back years and, and got like criticized for it. Think about that of where we are in college football. And I'm not saying that like that Bama has a, a tough schedule. This year is a joke. But I feel like people are really, really taking advantage of like the current schedule for Alabama to say that they don't ever schedule anybody. All all these like these games, we've talked about this before. These these primetime early season games, like neutral site games, Bama started that. Bama started doing oh, that yeah, in two thousand eight. Like totally and it Bama. became a just everyone started doing it. Every like there was only one of those yep. games like like to start the year, and now there's like what three, four, five, and there's a bunch. Of and, and so now you're seeing like you know like, like the cyclical nature of college football. They're going more to home and homes, and that's fine. But like it's it's just crazy how people are going uh, just so irrationally out of their way to say they're not playing anybody. Did you, so the Tim Brando thing oh God. was weird. Tim Brando and and Bama have had an odd relationship, but he had like some sort of comment on Feinbaum or something like that where he. He he did not he, like he basically like blasted Bama administration. Explain kind of what what went down with all that. So, well, I mean, I thought you were going to explain it because he's blocked me for years uh, on, on oh, Twitter. Oh, that's right. Um, Tim oh, Brando, there, there's you know like I honestly like the only reason I have this job is because I became a fan. I was a fan of SEC football, and I'm passionate and I love it. And there's there's definitely times that I look well my own homerness or bias you know towards Alabama will probably show through. But I try my best to be like as objective as possible. 
I honestly feel like Tim Brando doesn't do that at all. Like, and, and specifically with the LSU Bama thing. And remember, we did the uh, the It Just Meant More podcast with LSU Florida from 2007. It was great. And the first thing I brought up was coming back from halftime. There was, some, or it was, it was maybe it was a 2012 game. There was some negative comment, Tim Brando, right off the top. And there's always these like kind of like not so subtle jabs, and it's. It honestly, have your opinions, and, and I don't want to criticize him for being outspoken about an opinion that's not necessarily wrong. Like, Bama shouldn't be complaining. Bama gets all the breaks. Bama backdoored themselves into a national championship game after losing, like, a week and a half before that. You know what I mean? Like, in, in 2017. But this was so, like, misguided. And and when you're an LSU, I'm going to say it, Homer, that says Bama shouldn't be complaining because... They need to start scheduling better opponents. And then you look at the night games, like the actual night games. And I get it, it's Death Valley. But the night games that have been scheduled in the last three years or since 2014 for LSU, it's a joke. It's a joke. And and I don't know if it's because that's a tradition thing that they want to keep night games in Death Valley. A day game in Death Valley, not not great. 11 a.m. kick, I don't want to see that for anybody. It doesn't feel like LSU has a whole lot of day games. No, because well, I mean, I mean, they it, don't. I mean, yeah, it's, and that's fine. And like, I don't think Bama fans should be complaining about having an 11 a.m. kick because honestly, people are going to turn this game off in the third quarter anyway. But it just seemed like it was so again misguided and like went out of his way to, I, I guess, criticize just this year's scheduling. Right, and I think the the reason that to go back to kind of what Greg Byrne and, and Stuart Bell said coming out with a strong statement like this when a very popular topic of conversation, not just at Bama, but, I mean, across college football, I think, is the, is the dwindling attendance thing. Right. And Bama, the optics of having a half-empty stadium when it's in the fourth quarter and it's a blowout and people don't necessarily want to stay because it's really, really hot out in September yeah. for a day game, the optics of that are not great. And they they would much rather be in a situation where if they come out and basically make this, this opinion known, it's kind of like, you know, in basketball when a coach – is just blows up about like kind of a borderline call. Right. They know they know that that call can go either way, and that it's maybe not necessarily something that's done like with any sort of intent. But next time when that decision's made, it's going to benefit them because they're going to remember how strong of a statement and how loud they were about whatever they were arguing. Well, and I think like loud is a good way to put it too, because it's loud without a lot of like actual depth to the words that are being said. Because we're we're here, man. We're in the season. There's nothing you can do about about the season. We, there was something on the on the Facebook group like, earlier this week, and somebody was like giving Bama a hard time about how anybody could be number one in the country if they played Bama's schedule because of New Mexico State. And lo and behold, 45 minutes later, Auburn scheduled New Mexico State for a 2023 non-con game. 45 minutes it was later. It was ridiculous. It was, it was terrible timing. But, I mean, all, the, all teams do this. I feel like people are kind of piling on with Bama just because they can. In this moment, they can. And they're vulnerable, finally. Speaking of uh, speaking of Auburn and its scheduling, New Gus had a great little subtle jab at Bama. Um, he was asked about you know the game time uh, th- this week, and he said, uh, "I wish it was at noon so we have more time to prepare for our next opponent." New Gus, New Gus oh, does not care. See, he does not care. No, I love that, it. that was that was great. Like Brando, I, I, what I loved about Malzahn's comment was I didn't have to get my fiance to screenshot the tweets. Uh, and then send him to me because he's blocked me and everyone else in the world whenever he finds someone that doesn't agree with him. New Gus, on point. 
New Gus is like a mix between, um, he's, he's right somewhere in that mix of like Michael Scott when he gives his two weeks notice before he's gonna start Michael Scott Paper Company and he's just drinking, you know, whatever it was like Scotch and Splendor. Right. Oh, and gosh. then like a mix between that time and when he was having the affair with the married woman and he's just eating cake with his hands. Yeah. That's, New Gus is somewhere in that Gus. happy medium. Right, exactly. If Gus comes exactly. out with a Kangol right. hat backwards. I mean, it's going to be a whole other level. I mean, I, I was, I thought this was Big funny. Guess. I thought that was pretty good. But, <laughs> um, all right, other weird storyline this week. A little bit more of a back and forth between LSU and Texas. It'd be kind of weird if LSU and Texas just stopped jawing suddenly. I feel Man. like that would have a really strong reaction. Um, but of course, the, the talk had to continue after that game. And as we find out, um, LSU did not have AC in their locker rooms, the, the visiting locker rooms. And based on the way that the LSU band was seated and the way that LSU what was, that about? was seated at that game, I, I can just, let's just say that Texas didn't roll out the carpet for, for LSU, if no matter how, I just, what side you're I on. Had, I would great. have been all over somebody if I had a tuba that I had to carry up into like a thousand feet in the air. You could hear them, though. I mean, that's the amazing thing. I mean, credit to them. And the LSU fans, I mean, they, they made their presence felt in, in that game. Shout out if you went there. For, for Texas fans. <laughs> yes, it did. That was a very loud section up there. Um, and I, other schools do this, too, by the way. That's yeah. not just like a, you know, Texas isn't the only school that does the the no AC in the, in the visiting locker rooms. Well, Iowa. Uh, Ryan McGee. Yeah, Iowa's got the pink locker right. rooms, and Jim Harbaugh made such a big deal about that, trying to like paint or trying to put like Michigan right. um, pieces of paper over it and stuff like that. Which but, would affect uh, Ryan, you more, by the way? Uh, I, I think the pink is fine. Really? Like I have no, I don't really have an issue with it, just because it's kind of like it's kind of like a fun thing. Like you look forward to it. You hear everybody knows yeah. about it at this point. It's not a surprise. You kind of go in there and you're like, all right, this is how it's going to be. Let's yeah. go. Um, Ryan McGee of ESPN did a great story on the visiting locker room conditions a couple years ago and how it's just sort of an epidemic in college football that nobody's really talking about in this day and age when, like, the facilities, the money that's rolling in is absurd. And, you know, you could go to all, like, most of these Power 5 programs now that are building football-only facilities, right. and they're doing all these renovations to their home locker room. We talked about, you know, even LSU and what they did with the, having the cots in the locker room, all this stuff. But visiting locker rooms... What you call those cots? For, <laughs> whatever you want to call them uh, visiting locker rooms in sports just always have been and kind of always will be neglected they're always going to be second fiddle and we can either sit here and complain about them until we're blue in the face or we can just kind of accept that alright as long as that's not inhumane conditions this is just a reality of, of, of playing sports uh, yeah and, but it, it still kind of sucks I mean like because like, it is it's a direct way to gain some sort of advantage you know what I mean like yeah. the, the, oh, pink, yeah. I mean, the pink would I would be in, I mean, I'm I'm such a guy that's like affected by his surroundings and anything that like that could cause like any impact on my performance. I, I the AC would be a huge problem for me because you've seen me sweat. But the oh, pink yeah. thing, like it, it's weird because like it is it's something like you no one it's like an unspoken rule like no one's gonna go out of their way to make you comfortable in like in the you know possibly beat you like in your own house. But at the same time, they, it's they like, should have AC. Yeah, they, they should, should have AC. It was 98 degrees yeah, in like, there. Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like LSU players are, are cramping up, and when that impacts the game, okay, at that point, that's serious. Jim Harbaugh had the big complaint a couple years ago when they went to Purdue. Wilton Spate had what looked like a really serious neck issue, and he didn't get the proper medical care that he that he needed in the facility, and they had to like drive him to a hospital, and there was this big, Wait, long what? ordeal. 
Yeah, like this was like a this was this was a big story a couple of years ago when this happened, and he basically came out and said Purdue's visiting facilities are like stuck in the 1920s, and a lot of people will say, yeah, you go into a visiting locker room and you expect the worst. Right. That's just kind of how it is. At the same time, with all the money that's coming in now. Let's at least get it to, to where it's it's a it's at a bare minimum. Just get it to a bare minimum where yeah. there's enough space. It's not you know a hundred degrees, whatever it is in the visiting locker room. It shouldn't actually impact the game that we see on the field. I think we can all ninety eight degrees is that's out hot. of control. Like that that like that's so that, that is borderline inhumane because that's you're that's that could be dangerous. Yeah, uh, Gary Patterson, by the way, said that they've always had AC whenever they've made trips to Texas, which makes me just think that Tom Herman pulled out a little trick up his sleeve. We know Tom Herman likes to go after the SEC a little yeah. bit, so that would not surprise me. Because he's an a-hole, like I said. Also, we know the AC works when you're there, Gary Patterson. You're always in those stupid turtlenecks. Good point. That's a really good point. He does wear those mocks very frequently. No. People forget that. Week three, SEC picks and over-unders. Here's the good news. We have picks. We have picks. It's not the offseason. We have actual football to talk about. Man. The bad news Five of the 11 SEC games are against FCS teams. It's essentially September cupcake week in the SEC. So we're not going to sit here and break down every single game against an FCS opponent. I had people tweeting me like, hey, why aren't you doing picks for FCS games? It's like, you know, we'll, we'll post them on Instagram. Right. We'll do stuff like well, that. But I don't want to sit there and be held accountable for FCS games when that's just like there's lines. But these things are absurd and they're really just shots in the dark. So that's one way to put it. And that's a very healthy way to put it. <laughs> um, Uncle Chris did not take that route necessarily. Like, yeah, we haven't. We, we've been doing the staff picks, and this kind—it just kind of sucks because, like, usually there's not a line on like an FBS versus FCS. Game. Right, right. There's a line for every single one of these, which just means Vegas is bored because, like, the weeks, like the slate of games is so terrible. There's not a single top twenty-five yep. matchup. Um, so anyway. If you spent 30 minutes to two hours of your life trying to do a deep dive and learning about Northwestern State or Arkansas State or uh, anyone Lamar. Lam- Lamar, that's a person, dude. That mm-hmm. what what is going on? That's the guy from Reading Rainbow. This guy from the Lakers. Also that, yeah, that's a better example. Kind of Kardashian said that. Um, so we won't break down all those games. I will say that one of my like favorite picks of the week is A and M over Lamar. All right, cool. That's there you good go. to know. Yeah. I was waiting on pins and needles for that one. Glad you went there to, and attacked that one first. Um, do we want? Let's let's start with uh, the games that we do actually have spreads for against FBS yeah. opponents, and then we'll get to some Uncle Chris gambling knowledge and little Uncle Connor gambling. Yeah, you knowledge we, we killed well. it last week. Arkansas State and Georgia. Georgia is a thirty-two point favorite, subject to change as big lines often do. Um, I look at this game as possible sleeper what's georgia going to be able to do the week before notre dame that's going to be a popular topic of conversation who do you got in this one but you were almost there i want to hear your answer first it's it sounds like it's oh, okay. about the same because i'm still taking georgia are you I'm really still taking georgia in this one yeah i'm going to take georgia because i think what happened last week where that was a sloppy game i mean i, I know i understand it's a blowout but it's against an fcs team and I think Kirby Smart is of the mindset, we need to get right. We need to make sure that we are firing on all cylinders. It is going to be a foot-on-the-gas type game. He is going to remind his team, let's just do the over-under right now. I have the over-under for this game. Um, the word sleeper or tune-up is set on the broadcast. Ooh. I set the over-under at 7.5. Tune-up. Uh, I'm going to take the under on that, but tune-up, is that's a good tune-up. 
That's really Tim good. Strong. I, I um, will say, but so basically, like what? Just to, to wrap up real quick. So like, my whole thinking is they come out and they they do everything they can to try and avoid that because that's going to be the obvious thing for this team going into this game when everybody knows that this is a tune-up for Notre Dame. All right, I tried to warn Kentucky about this last week and saying you have a big game the following week. Get oh, don't do it. Like I'm, 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 I'm not just saying like, you know, I, I I'm I'm a firm believer in. It's a freak injury that happened to Terry Wilson. It sucks, man. It absolutely sucks because he was playing so Brutal. well this year. But that kind of stuff definitely can't happen for UGA. Like, if if they lose from, I know Georgia fans will tell you, we don't need from. We'll just hand the ball off 70 times a game. You're going to need from. Get him out by, like, I would say early third quarter. I think Georgia will dominate most of the first half and then kind of take their foot off the gas. And why that's important is because Arkansas State, my friend, Averages over 20 points per game in the second half. Oh, that's a good stat. It is. So I think they're going to have a backdoor cover. I like the over in this game a lot, too. It's gone up a couple of points um, from where it opened. It's at 58.5 now. So I think 30% of the overall bets are on uh, Arkansas State, but 64% of the money is on Arkansas State, which is a sign the Sharps are on them. So I'm going to take Arkansas State to cover because Georgia's Gonna take the foot off the gas for Notre Dame next week. Think, yeah. I mean, the, the, I would imagine they'd be a little bit more conservative with that with that route. But I, I think that they're gonna maybe go a little bit longer than expected with keeping some of those backs in the game. Get Samir White going, especially. Their last two times they played each other, by the way, Georgia's won both games, but they've not covered the spread either time. Interesting. Interesting. Kansas State, Mississippi State, in a in a week where there are not top twenty five matchups, right. any at all. This game has a lot of potential to be one of the best games of the week. It is a non-conference Power 5 game, a, a home-and-home series, which you know you I You said this I on SC this morning, and I yelled at my radio, and I was like, you're such a homer, but you're, it's actually no, a whoa, really good whoa, point. Whoa, whoa. I was wrong. You were How right. How dare you? Uh, just because Kansas State has gotten off to a really, really good start uh, to the year and actually looks like a decent team. The thing that we don't know about this game is the status of Tommy Stevens. It looks like he's going to be able to play. So Tommy Stevens... Dealt with the injury where he came out last week, and you know, Joe Moorhead kind of made it seem like if he was, if this were an SEC game, he probably would have come back in the second half. I don't want to necessarily put words in his mouth, but that was the vibe I sort of got. Um, he said he's feeling pretty good, just going to be kind of a day by day thing, wait and see what happens uh, leading up to game time. So, the line on this game, and it could move considerably if we find out last minute Tommy Stevens isn't playing. Yeah. As of right now, Mississippi State is favored by seven and a half, I'm going to take Kansas State to cover just because of that little bit of unknown and just because I think Kansas State is actually capable of putting up some points this year. No more 80-billion-year-old Bill Snyder running that oh, offense. Rude. Sorry, that was, that was kind of mean. I, I take that back. He Sorry, saved Bill. that program twice. Listening. That's true. That's true. Um, but I will take Kansas State to cover. So how about where's – your, where's your homer pick for that one? I'm impressed. So I, this game is like, first off – this has the most amount of information out of any of the games that you could research. I found that out. Mm-hmm. I, I I have no feel for this, for the most part, because Kansas State averaging 52 points a game is ridiculous. That makes no sense to me. They're, they're first in the country in first downs per game. They get like 29 per game. Second in the country in first downs allowed at only eight. Um, however, I think this game comes down to, if Tommy Stevens is healthy, I'm taking Mississippi State to cover. Kansas State was a seven-point favorite in the same matchup last year at home. Mississippi State, obviously, different that team. And they, you know, Kylan Hill went off. I think that could still happen. Kansas State turns the ball over 
a decent amount here, sir. Um, I, I think they're they're one and six in their last seven games against the SEC. They're zero and five in their last uh, five road games. There's another stat I'm trying to find, Connor, and I can't find it. Oh, they gave up four point. They're ranked 109th in the country in uh, average yards per rush. Ooh, Kylan Hill is okay. going to have himself a day. I think that Mississippi State will probably give up a, a couple of, like some points early, but I think the over's gone up four points since it opened at 48. You can't see this right now, the world. I'm licking my lips. I'm simulating what Kylan Hill is doing. Yeah. Um, he, he is licking his, his chops, being able to face this defense again that he went off against last year. I mean, his coming out party oh. was in this game on the road. Mississippi State is second in the FBS with seven total turnovers. Oh, yeah. okay. Good to know. Mississippi State's defense still kind of figuring things out. Still figuring yeah. things out. Kind of bend but don't break at this point. All right. The over-under for this game is very much dependent on whether or not Tommy Stevens plays. But I really just wanted a chance to bring this up because it's it needs to be addressed. How many references will we get to Garrett Schrader's beard, the backup Mississippi State quarterback who is a true freshman who will start in this game if Tommy Stevens does not start? Ooh. I set the over-under at 1.5. He's a true freshman, has a beard? Have you seen this beard? No. It is like... The Fitzpatrick beard? Holy cow. Uh, yes. It, yeah, and that, they made the, the comment this week... That if Ryan, so he he I think he has to shave it by game day unless he gets Ryan Fitzpatrick on the phone to be able to talk about it. That's awkward. that's that's been the thing all week. So that's a a weird little connection there. Uh, Mike Isicki, who this is too much Penn State talk. Never mind. Go yeah, ahead. You know what? I'm glad you know that you noticed that. Um, I will take the over at 1.5. I haven't seen this, but I, I'm already excited. It took me 33 Google, years to Google to it. One. Garrett Schrader, is, who is like 19 years old, has, has a beard that is massively thick. Uh, I tweeted about it the other day. I said he looks like the guy who um, gives me help when I go into Best Buy and then is like, kind of makes me feel bad for not knowing <laughs> anything about technology or anything. Um, he looks like that dude. All right. Bama, South Carolina, the game that you will be at. Bama's a 25.5 point favorite. And I know that... I, Everybody's going to be talking 2010, and can they pull off the upset? Very, very different circumstances. Our guy, Steven Garcia, is en route. He's definitely he, he's had a couple beers in Columbia by now. I think so that's pumped. a safe bet. I think we could say that. Um, so I think a lot of people will talk themselves. If, they, if they're talking themselves into South Carolina, it's based on one of two things. It's based on Ryan Holinsky or it's based on 2010. I saw the comment on Pine Bomb. Somebody called in and said Bama's going to lose because it's going to be really hot in Columbia on Saturday. I mean, honestly, you can't argue that. You, you definitely can't argue that. It is, and the visitor side is going to be in the sun the entire day with no air conditioning. So makes you makes you wonder. You know, is Bama ready to play in a game that hot? And will they win as a twenty-five and a half point favorite when Bama has won seventy-nine straight games against opponents outside of the top fifteen? Just makes you wonder. Yeah. Just saying. Um, I'm taking Bama. I'm taking Bama to cover. And what I expect to be a learning experience for Ryan Holinsky. Don't get me wrong. Hi, on Ryan Holinsky. But I think about the idea of Nick Saban trying to confuse a true freshman starter, a quarterback. I understand. I understand Trevor Lawrence. No, I didn't. I didn't realize that until Houston Barber's article today. And I was like, oh, that hurt. That one stung. Here's here's my thing. In his first game against first start against an FBS opponent, let's not forget that as well with Ryan Holinsky. I think that Bama's that defense is going to be ready to go. I think they do. They, it's kind of a similar feel to what Georgia did last year when they went to South Carolina and just kind of got after him early. And yeah. you very quickly, very quickly, you realized, okay, 
South Carolina does not match up with an elite SEC team at the line of scrimmage. This is going to be a rough day. I'll take Bama to cover. I mean, yeah, I guess. I just, you never know. You got a freshman coming in there. They got the old ball coach. There's so many things. No, revenge is mine, Connor. I'm very excited. This was a, a tough loss in 2010. I think I think Helensky's going to do better than I think people are going to give him credit for. Like I know you have the over here at 160 yards, right? Over under Ryan Helensky passing yards is 160.5. So I would take the over on that. And I think okay. like the good thing about this is I think Bama's going to get up early on this team. I know Shy Smith's a little bit banged up. I mean, they, they run the ball really well. They're, they're averaging, I think they're first in the country in, in rush yards per game. It's like 310 yards per game. And South Carolina? And, yeah, and then eighth, uh, what is it? No, I'm sorry, eighth in the country in total rush yards per game at 310. First in yards oh, per carry, they, nine yards per they carry. They got all their rushing yards last well, week. I'm just that's saying. Why, you know what? Against an FCS opponent. It's two games, and they didn't have a good game in week Next one. That's why. The stats, then you jerk. All right. They, they had nearly 500 yards in the ground last week. That's yeah. I, or they might have even had over that. They, they ran all over right. Charleston. And so I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, they're, they're going to have to get their yards to the air. I don't think they're going to run on that defense for Bama. I think Bama will get up early in this game. I think the first half line is, is 14. It might have moved up to 15 and a half. Jump all over that. Uh, it's one of my favorite picks of the week. But I think I still think Bama's mad. I think they're going to try to open up some holes. Um, they're, I think they're going to spend most of the second half trying to really work out the kinks in that offensive line. Did you see Saban when asked about the 2010 game? No. <laughs> he he's like, these kids, were, these kids were in elementary school. Like, who cares? Yeah, two is in Whatever, like seventh man. grade or something like that. I care, Nick. I care. <laughs> um, no, so I'll take Bama to cover. I really like the over, by the way. I think that's the play. Because I think look, you're not going to pull Holinsky in this game, unless he's like, you know, just absolutely brutal, which I don't think he has a bone in his body to do that. So I think this is going to be a great, great learning experience for him um, that he's going to have nightmares about. But, you know, in the long run, it's going to pay off. They're paying tribute to to his brother in, the, in this game, aren't they? South Carolina doing something to, to honor the, the, the late brother right. of Ryan Holinsky, the former Washington State quarterback as well. Yeah, in the first play of the third quarter, everyone, um, like they're trying to spread the word, everyone to stand and put three fingers in the air in honor of his brother. That was his number. I think that's actually his number as well. Um, and I think it's a really cool thing. It's, it's suicide uh, prevention week, and it's it's a really, really cool deal. Mental health awareness yeah. week, uh, I believe, as well. So good cause, good on South Carolina to, to do that. Um, all right, Colorado State and Arkansas. Arkansas is a nine and a half point favorite. We remember how that game went last year. Arkansas puked on its shoes, blew a late lead on the road. In can you name where Colorado State Colorado is? Springs. That's a good question. Is it Fort Calhoun? No. If it is, no. I'm not going to admit right. it. Okay, all right, nor am I. Anyways, this game, not going to be played there. Going to be played in Fayetteville. Nine and a half point favorite for Arkansas. We found out that Nick Starkle is going to be the starting quarterback in this game. We know that Ben Hicks going to be on the bench, much to the delight of many, 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 many Arkansas fans. I am taking Colorado State to cover in this one just because the idea of Arkansas beating an FBS team by double digits right now just doesn't sit right, and I need to see it. Before I can believe it, what say you? I, I, like looking at these these numbers from like in, in these first two games, I I don't know if Ben Hicks saw Chad Morris kill somebody, but there's no reason he should have had that much leeway, and he should have been pulled way sooner. What was happening? Chad Morris was trying to make both quarterbacks happy. Let's call it what it is. I mean, like 
that's been a big topic of conversation around the state. And I think many Arkansas fans grew frustrated that it seemed like he was treating this situation like they were with kid gloves. He was afraid to say anything wrong about Ben Hicks. We know about the quarterback turnover where he essentially has brought in like five new quarterbacks since he arrived 14 months ago or whatever it was in a 14-month stretch that that he brought in that many quarterbacks. And I think he was really trying to, to, you know, care for the feelings of his former SMU quarterback and trying to do right by yeah. him. And that's why he went about the situation. Well, the way once again, did. you handle this in a very logical way, and I, I, I feel <laughs> stupid. But I mean, I don't know. It's like it's not too late to say sorry. And I still believe in Nick Starkle. Um, I think the offense is going to look a lot better. I will say, I'm not convinced they're going to cover the spread. I was shocked that it was at ten points. The over, by the way, has gone up five and a half points. In, like, the last day, which is mind-blowing to me. So um, I'm going to take Colorado State to cover. I I flirted with picking them outright just because the offense they have, they're going to put up some some yards, they're going to put some points. And and Arkansas just hasn't done anything, even against Portland State. They haven't done anything to prove that they've really turned the corner. I I feel like the young talent's there. Um, Also, our man Dejon Harris only has nine tackles. What's up with that? I have no idea. Um, got to talk to your boy. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Colorado State to cover, but I'm gonna take Arkansas to win. And the best bet, maybe the best bet of, of the whole weekend, the SEC is the first half under at 33 and a half. Yeah, I would I would be going the under on this game as well. These, just I, I like Nick Starkle, but I think it's it's just such an unknown right now with this team. They're averaging both the, teams are averaging a combined, or I, I think Colorado State's averaging 28 points in uh, in the second half this year, and Arkansas is averaging 21. And, and like it is the t- polar opposite in the first half. So take the first half under. The over-under that I drew up related to what we saw last week. And I understand that kids who get, get benched, they get frustrated. And oftentimes it's caught on camera when you're playing prime time and you're maybe not used to having the spotlight on you. It's not necessarily a good look. And sometimes just kids get caught, heat of the moment type thing. Ben Hicks did not have a good weekend in that department. Yeah. A lot of shots of him with bad body language on the sideline after he got pulled for Nick Starkle. Not exactly the rah-rah type backup, you know, I'm supporting the starting quarterback type look that he was going for. A little bit reminiscent of Jared, Gar- Jared Garantano. Ugh. JG, JG, back in that 2017 game against uh, Georgia Tech. Or was that, that would have been, yeah, 2017 game against Georgia Tech um, in the opener. Well, how many sideline shots of Ben Hicks being unhappy will we get? I set the over/under at four point five. I mean, he's surely he's mature enough and an adult enough to to not make that mistake twice. I would hope. Right. Um, right. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I would pitch a fit, but I like I. What I hope happens is I hope he's not pouting. I hope he shows up in pregame warmups with a cutoff Selena Gomez shirt Boom. and just absolutely oh. gets into Nick Circle's head. I, I still want Circle <laughs> to do well, but I mean, like. That you fight fire with fire by with pop singers. That's what I would do. Uh-huh. Amen. As we know, Nick Starkle, huge believer. Huge so I, believer. Does he have a mugshot? Just come out with like a picture of like his mugshot on, on a shirt. Just get in his too? head. Very effective. Kent State, Auburn. Big, big spread. Auburn favored by 35 points against Nick Saban's alma mater. Whoa. I Whoa. have a tough time looking. Yeah, I went there. I have a tough time looking at this game thinking that Auburn's going to cover just because, like I said, last week we were skeptical about how this Auburn offense would look just because they struggled for much of that game against Oregon, thought maybe a little bit of a hangover, just just really trying to figure things out, trying to figure out who they are. 
and part of this too, Gus Malzahn is throwing the ball with Bo Nix. I mean, this is not some sort of conservative game plan. I, I truly think Gus wants to get Bo Nix as many throwing opportunities as possible, trying to get him as many reps so that he can develop a rapport with these receivers. Even though these games are against a group of five teams, I think he really wants to get those reps under his belt. So I think that a little bit more experimentation, you know, new Gus is aggressive. He doesn't care. He's not necessarily just going to run the ball, you know, 50 times in a given game. I think Kent State covers a 35-point spread. You know New Gus is all about experimenting. Oh, yeah. Dying his hair, vaping, all sorts of stuff. HGH. Okay. Oh, well, that's aggressive. That's I mean, I don't know about all that. <laughs> that really escalated quickly. Supplements. Yeah, that's better. Um, so I, I think this is like, you know, to use your word earlier, the last tune-up before, you know, conference play, and they got to go to A&M next week, which is not going to be an easy game. But – you know, I think they looked about as expected, especially based off of like where the like the the line was against Tulane. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody was super shocked they didn't blow them out. I told you all the under was the best play this week. Again, like I have no feel for this. Kent State is awful. Like they I mean, they are bad. real bad. So I feel like Auburn should. This is again Auburn's defense is at like an elite level to where every single time you look at one of these lines, it's like okay, is Auburn going to score 40, mm-hmm. 45? And is Kent State going to score 10? I don't think Kent State scores in the first half. Um, but I do think it's one of those things where you're not going to pull the starters early. You're going to get a lot of stuff ironed out. So it also, it's up to 35 and a half. So I'm going to take Kent State to cover. Oh, the hook. Exactly. At that, at that number two. <laughs> so I'm going to take them to cover um, and, and not feel great about it like whatsoever. And I'm also, also going to take the over. As you talked about the Auburn defense, I thought about adjusting this over-under that I set. Kent State total yards, I set the over-under at 199.5. I mean, that's like, it seems unreasonable to have it that low, but it's not. Like, I mean, they are it's they not. are so bad. Who did they lose to last week? Oh, that's a good question. I gotta, it was like a directional, I mean, I directional mean, school. Like Spirit mm, Airlines. Oh, I know this. Yes, um, maybe Frontier. Yeah, probably so. I mean, their their defense, by the way, they're giving up ten point four yards per pass attempt. Not good. That is not great, not Bob. Not great. <laughs> um, and their offense is only averaging two hundred and sixty eight yards a game. So yeah, I mean, I I think I've been big on these first half lines this week. I think the first half lines like twenty one. Uh, I would take that for Auburn. But you know, I think this is the same way we talked about with um, with Helensky. I think you're going to see Bo Nix deep into this game. I'm so proud of you for being able to say Helinski and not stop. I, that's such maturity. <laughs> I took this week off I'm, very I'm seriously. Very we, we had people in my DM saying that they, they're doing the same thing now. They're not happy with me. <laughs> Game of the week in the SEC. Florida, Kentucky, the Gators travel to Lexington. Totally different outlook than what we were talking about maybe at this time you know, last week. And really, the injuries on both sides. It's not just that Terry Wilson is out for the year. Crushing news to hear about our favorite neighbor. But also, C.J. Henderson, doubtful for this game. Kadarius Toney, we know is not playing. He's week to week right now. Florida is an eight-point favorite going to Lexington. We remember what happened in 2017. Our good buddy Luke Del Rio came in, saved the day. Kentucky, as I've said, has outplayed Florida each of the last two years. I said that in my preseason prediction that Kentucky was going to beat Florida in this matchup this year and that the only thing that could possibly change that is a Terry Wilson injury. Well, now Terry Wilson's injured and I'm changing my pick. But I am saying that Kentucky will cover the eight point spread. I think that Sawyer Smith is able to keep them close. 
former Troy quarterback, former Bama baseball commit. Bet you didn't know that. Rub it in, dude. Did you? Did Did you know that? I mean, I don't, I have nothing to do with that that baseball program ever since they they deserted me. Oh, I, yeah, I probably walked right into that one. So I will take Kentucky to cover, but I do think that Florida is able to win a very close down to the wire game. Yeah, I mean, this one's tough because, I mean, like, you're right. Kentucky's not only outplayed in the past years, they've outplayed them by a lot. And we, I don't think we really know what we're going to get from this Florida team yet because, yeah, 45-0 last weekend's UT Martin is great. However, that first week was just a roller coaster of, of screw-ups. I'll, I'll say that. Um, CJ Henderson being out, I, I feel like that's a bigger deal than people think. I, I don't. How how big is the Kadarius Tony news? I think the Kadarius Tony. Adam and I talked about this a little bit. Just, I, I think it's significant just for how, how you're able to game plan against against a team like Florida. Where Would he be involved because you know, they never get him involved. Well, it's still something that you have to account for. It's still something where if you're Mark Stoops, you have to time, you have to spend that time saying, okay, if they line up in this formation and Kadarius Tony gets a bubble screen, if he gets an end around, whatever it is, he lines up in the Wildcat. We got to be able to know how we can handle that without having to call a timeout and figure out what in the world we're going to be able to do. So I do think it impacts the game plan not having a guy like that as dangerous on the field. When you put it, it, anytime you don't have one of your home run home run play guys on the field, it puts a little bit more pressure on your quarterback, puts a little bit more pressure on your offensive line, puts a little bit more pressure on your receivers not to drop balls, all those different things. And I think that he is significant, even though he doesn't get the touches that we wish he did. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, It's just a question, geez. Um, So (laughs) I'm I'm kind of with you on this one. One of my favorite picks of the week is the Florida money line. I just think I, I, I can't, I don't see Kentucky pulling off the upset without Terry Wilson. And honestly, like, before this happened, like, I hate to sound just like you, but, yeah, I, I, I was kind of leaning towards that because this offense looked different. It looked totally different um, this year. And he, he looked like night and day from last year as a passer. So I think this is going to be one of those games where they are going to – I mean, Kentucky, I know who their rivals are Tennessee and Louisville and all that kind of stuff. I feel like there's a special hatred for Florida because of – just the smug attitude and, and like the long streak, and, and they finally broke it. I think they're going to come out and, and play a hell of a game and keep it very close. I just think in the end, they're not going to have the depth to, to match up with Florida, and Florida will win. Not cover the spread. I'll take Florida to win um, and hate it. I asked Cash Daniel about this at SEC Media Days um, because obviously his – his viral moment was the stone cold pour of the water bottles after beating Florida, ending the streak last year. And I asked him, like, you know, what would warrant you doing that again? Because at the time, you know, it's breaking this big streak. And now that you guys have had this 10 win season before, like, you're not just going to do that when you win a conference game, I would assume. And he's like, yeah, maybe like SEC championship. So if Kentucky beats Florida, there will not be any Cash Daniel, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, water bottle pour. But the over under is replays. Of Cash Daniels, Stone Cold, Water Bottle Pour. I set the over under at one. Oh, yeah, you're way under on this one. It's 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 gonna be like over by a million. That should be the the commercial break, like come back from commercial break every. That should time. be a mascot. Can you make like a, a gif a mascot? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I really I really am excited for this game just because I do I do kind of get the sense that that Kentucky has turned the corner as a program, and it's not just all you know talk. And I feel like. They, I mean, this is gonna. I feel like this is gonna be a close game down to the fourth quarter, but and you know what would be awesome? And no offense, Florida fans, but if Kentucky found a way to win this game or like you know win it big, 
And then send Florida into Tennessee next week. Oh, my gosh. Just those two emotional. Mm. Oh, man. Yikes. Kentucky, by the way, like I said, I'm just going to keep picking them to cover every single week until they prove me until they prove me wrong. 2-0 and so far this year. My lock of the week last week paid off. Sick brag. I get a lot of things wrong. I did not get Army plus 22 at Michigan wrong. That proved to be... That, that was looking good the entire Bro, you time. Said that Never on Sunday. About that. You said that on Sunday, six I, days before the actual game. I texted game. you immediately. Right when that line came out, I said, lock of the week, Army plus 22 at Michigan. Easy. Easy. Sure enough. Never even had to sweat it. My lock of the week this week, I am staying in the state of Michigan, but I'm not going with Michigan. I am saying the fighting Herm Edwards are going to cover plus 14 at Michigan State, and here's why. Michigan State, yes, they've had a lot of success under Mark D'Antonio. They've won... 10 games, like five different times in the last 10 years, whatever it is. Their last 12, so dating back to the start of the 2017 season, they had an awful 2016 season where they fell off the face of the earth. Dating back to the start of 2017, they've had 12 regular season wins against Power 5 teams. The only teams that they beat by more than 14 points are Maryland and Rutgers. Arizona State, a team that beat MSU last year in Tempe, they are going to be able to hang within 14 of MSU. Take that for yeah, I lost a lot of money on that one. Um, okay, I like this. We're not going to go over the rest of those FBS games, but I'll, I'll tell you my favorite picks of the week. I do like A&M over Lamar. Lamar has played three, um, I don't know, FBS. They're not like Power 5 schools, but they've played Texas Tech, North Texas, and Houston the past three years. They've lost by a combined score of 178 to 14 in those three games, <laughs> which is an, it's 59 to 5, guys. Almost impossible to do. Take A&M. Uh, they will cover that spread at 43 and a half. Love that. Let's see what else here. Um, like I said, the Arkansas Colorado State under in the first half, 33.5 points. I think both those teams combined are averaging 20 total points in the first half. I like the Florida money line. I like Bama in the first half as well. What was the other one I had? Oh, outside of the SEC, this is a this is the lock of the week. Oklahoma minus 12 and a half in the first half. They play UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. UCLA's terrible. They are awful. Like, I mean, they, they are Ugh. really bad. I was surprised that, that line's not, not higher. But And I also, I'm going to venture back into the Big Ten in an area that I don't know and say Ohio State minus 7.5 in the first half. That would scare the crap out of me, and here's why. Ohio State, for whatever reason, whenever they go to Bloomington, it's this down-to-the-wire. Like, like, uh, okay, so they like went there two years ago. They went there two years ago to open the season. College game day went to Bloomington. And it was like Ohio State was down in the third quarter in that game. And then they pulled away late. They had a, they, they pulled away late. That 2015 team that Ohio State had, the preseason number one, unanimous preseason number one, needed, needed Zeke to go off, needed Zeke to pull off like 250 rushing yards and have a late long score to be able to win that game. And then there was a borderline pass interference play that Ohio right. State was able to hold off Indiana. They play close games. Urban Meyer's always played close games when he's gone to Bloomington. I understand Urban Meyer's not there anymore. Totally different circumstances. But for whatever reason, Ohio State historically at Bloomington is just a weird, weird game that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, they've given up three total points in the first half this year, so I think they're going to put it on them early. Um, Fair and then also, Oklahoma State minus 14 against Tulsa. Take that. Ooh, Okay. Yeah. Fighting Mike Gundy's. He's a man. He's oh, 50 now. Yeah, that's right. Real quick, we did have this. I added this this week. A, a little listener pick of the week. Oh, Two I like Two bold that. predictions. Adam Phillips says Cash Daniels uh, comes in at QB to run the Wildcat and upset Florida 24-21. Love that. Wow. And then Zach Permenter says Ryan Holinsky throws for over 350 yards 
Adds a late rushing touchdown, 52-35 Bama. That would be a really entertaining game. I'm going to have some Sign words up with the that. defense if that happens. <laughs> Nick Saban would be all sorts of unhappy. The Bear threw out a really good stat, really good yeah. gambling stat, just to, just to remember. They'll bring it up on game day. They'll probably bring it up in the intro. It'll be one of those where, where Herbie is like, sleepy weekend type of, thing, type of weekend where weird stuff happens. He always says that. Um, so the Bear stat that he threw out there on Twitter was, this is the first weekend without a ranked matchup since week seven of 2017. What happened that weekend? Seven ranked teams lost, five as favorites, including three as favorites of 16-plus points. One of those big favorites which lost, Clemson at Syracuse that Friday night. As it turns out, Clemson, of course, facing Syracuse. Syracuse puked on its shoes last week and ruined a chance to host college game day because they lost by 43 against Maryland. And now that spread is four touchdowns, so nobody expects Clemson. In football, guys. Not basketball, not lacrosse. Also, it is it is September 11th, and Clemson has played its last ranked team. That's uh, that's that's a tough pill to swallow for Clemson. Yeah. Tough pill to swallow. Very very easy path to the playoff. It looks like for for the Tigers. All right, we got anything else before we want to kick it to our, our now good friend Kegs and Eggs? Anything else we want to get? I to? I don't know. Probably I'll think of it and interrupt you in a minute. <laughs> All right. If you don't have anything, then we will go to our interview. Uh, been meaning to get Adam Kramer on for the podcast for a little bit for a little bit now. We met him uh, at SEC Media Days. You got to talk with him uh, a bit more. Really, really good dude. Very much, very much on brand. I think we yeah. can, we can say that. Uh, a guy that we, we're definitely going to have to have some. Uh, well, we're going to participate with a keg and egg tailgate with him at some point. So let's kick it to our interview with Adam Kramer. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Bleacher Report's Adam Kramer. You know him as Kegs and Eggs on Twitter. Adam, first things first, uh, we had your Bleacher Report co-worker Matt Miller on, and we asked him this same question. Tell us the story behind your glorious Twitter handle. So um, it's getting harder to pull off as I get older, first and foremost. Uh, (laughs) Like I have a father of three kids now. That makes me sound even older. So it's like it's getting tougher to do. You know, it's like the how do you do fellow kids thing. But um, when I wanted to start a blog and I knew I loved college football, I started to think about like what I wanted because uh, it did, really was a blog first, then a Twitter handle second. Um, and then I have criminally ignored it and I, I don't even know if it still exists. But it was like, what is the spirit of this sport that I love so much? Like, what is it to me? And it was always that early morning, uh, you know, sunrise drinking. Uh, feel vibe to it that like captured me first, which again sounds weird now being old and covering the sport. So that was the that was really what got me was the whole idea of of kegs and eggs, and it 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 just sort of translated really well to Twitter. Again, I kind of stumbled into it because it was like, uh, what do you call this blog? And I had a bunch of really bad names, and um, no, it had it just. To me at the time, it was like, yeah, this is this is what I like to do. This is what I want the voice to be. And so Kegs and Eggs was born. And again, every once in a while, I'm like, ah, should I change it now? Should I try to be more professional? I don't think I can change it. Like I'm I'm too deep yeah. in at this point. Yeah, it's got it's got to stay. Okay, so obvious follow up to that: if you had to pick Kegs or Eggs, which would you pick? Kegs. Oh yeah, Kegs. I mean, okay. it, like I love Eggs, uh, but but. That's that's tailgating thematically, like right, like I uh, associate myself more as a kegs guy than an eggs guy. But eggs are also delicious. That's a tough choice. Mm-hmm. 
But um, no, I, I mean, yeah. to me, um, you can you can do tailgating right without eggs. The moment you lose that uh, tags vibe, you've got problems. Amen. Amen. You see somebody walk up to a tailgate with just like a handful of eggs. That, that's a problem. That's yeah, a problem like, waiting to happen. <laughs> alert someone. Yes. Like that, yeah, this exactly. Is, this guy's just got a bucket of eggs and uh, nothing else. And uh, <laughs> wearing headphones, you know, like uh, uh, help. That's... But um, yeah, it is, it is funny now, though. Like, you know, when I'll do radio shows and stuff, uh, it's also funny the way that people say, at, like, kegs and eggs. Like, that was the big thing. Like, do you do kegs? A-N-D, eggs, or do you do kegs, like, letter N? So I'll do radio, and I love the way people pronounce them, like, Adam Kramer on Twitter, kegs, N, eggs. Like, they, they really, <laughs> really highlight the N, of all things, in that mishmash of Twitter handle. You just got to say it fast, kegs and eggs, kegs and yeah. eggs. Just, it flows. Sure that's the only thing I called you in Birmingham. Kegs and eggs, and that's cool, <laughs> man, like, that's... Uh, like that's that's how we kind of like it. I mean, that's how we are on Twitter. Like, and I, boy, I've been called worse things on the internet than that. So if that's yeah. like that's where it's gonna go, I'm cool with it. I was, I mean, I was pretty excited about Claw Feinbaum, uh, for the White Claw fad. <laughs> it did not go over well. So that Vern Funquist was a was a pretty big change for me. So here's you're hilarious on Twitter, but I do have one gripe, and and that is that you made a comment that you think fall weddings are, are okay. And I'm, I'm, we're not yeah. going to get into it because I'm only going to get upset. But I used you as a reference in convincing my fiancé to let me get a second TV for football season. What key fall Saturday essential do I need to talk her into getting next? Okay, so I just changed my setup this year. Um, what? I, I, no, I added a TV. I've got three TVs in my okay. basement now and two iPads and a computer. Wow. Um, but I added two TVs this year because uh, I've been going off iPads and it's life altering. Um, my, uh, like the big, the biggest thing, like, so I have like an 80 in the middle. I have a 43 on each side and it has changed. It's glorious. The way I consume football. It really has. I mean, spent enough, you know, damn time down there. Like might as well feel really good. I think the, uh, like to me that like I hated scrambling around. Like when you think about like what you're now, I have to travel coming up these next few Saturdays, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, but to me, it really is all about the viewing experience. The other thing that, uh, as I've gotten older, is caffeine. Like, um, yeah. I, I put a Keurig down in my basement now, too, because I'm a, I'm a big coffee drinker. Uh, so I'm a two-cup morning, I'm one for lunch, and then I'm usually one around four, like leading up to the night shift. Um, so television's... Uh, and, and, and also fridge, like just so put yourself around, uh, food, caffeine, like make yourself comfortable. If you're going to watch this for, and last week was long, my God, that stupid Washington cow game went till like four in the morning. I didn't make it all the way. I almost made it. I made it through halftime. Uh, and that was like a, what? I mean, we had game started 10 a.m. Central and that was like a 14 hour day more, um, you, you got to be comfortable, and the biggest thing is give yourself enough devices to watch football appropriately. Um, that that's what I want. If you want to watch it nationally, if you just like your team, it's probably overkill. But if you want to consume the sport nationally or even regionally, like dude, add TVs. It'll be so worth it. 
Okay, so this fan base might not be wanting to add TVs, or if they are, they're <laughs> going to be spending them watching other teams. You recommended that Tennessee fans should take up uh, golf this fall. Let's say you aren't a yeah. golf fan, but you're also a Tennessee fan. What should Tennessee fans do this fall? Like go to weddings and stuff? Drink, probably. Just drink. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there are some great TV shows. I, I mean that sincerely. Like it gets to a point of discomfort watching your team. We're like, get the hell out. Like you don't have, you know what I mean? Like get out. Like that, that yeah. is awful. If like, that is truly awful. If you watched those two games as a fan, you, that is an emotional beatdown. Um, so golf is great. I mean, I, I'm a big golf guy. So like to me, uh, that's one of the things I hate giving up during college football season. I feel like it's golf because your Saturdays are, that ain't happening. Sundays. Sure. Maybe. But at that point, uh, I, you know, there is that whole family thing that you have to tend to and people you should probably see. So golf uh, is really, really good. Go, go travel. Um, watch, uh, adopt a team. I always, this is another great piece Ooh, of advice. Okay. I, I, I like watch a lot of really, uh, and root for a lot of really terrible teams. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, originally from Jersey. So I'm like a Mets and a Jets fan. Uh, both, both are atrocities. Uh, oh, you know, thanks. I went to Iowa so Iowa usually at some point is an atrocity. Um, so so I, I find it like adopt a team. Like last year, I adopted Purdue because of Rondell Moore. And he was fun. a great deal of fun. You know, like I, I just wanted to watch yeah. him. So find a, a fun team or coach out there that you like and just watch them or a player or whatever. And, and try and turn your attention, not your loyalty. In the, it's like sort of temporary loyalty. Something to do that you like if your team is just going to be so bad you can no longer watch them. Okay, that's that's good. I think that's that's really, really helpful. A- along those lines, you know, there are, Tennessee's not the only disappointing team in the country. Maybe besides them, who is the most disappointing team so far in your eyes? Boy, um, I mean, they are like A, B, C, D, and mm-hmm. E, right? Um, I thought that Washington loss was pretty bad. Like, that Washington loss, yeah. that's a team, like, week one, where you're thinking, hey, maybe this team has got the goods. Um, and for them to lose in a game that, like, no one was watching, uh, that was up there. I mean, Florida State, obviously. When you, oh, consider, yep. when you consider that first half, um, how good it was, uh, Kendall Bryles was, be given, like, was given a, an extension at halftime, we're talking about him for jobs. And, I, I mean, that would probably be my pick. The, the other one, Miami, um, the, the Florida game was a disaster. But then to lose to Mac Brown and, like, a true freshman quarterback, like, that was bad. Um, West Virginia, that, that first opener was awful. I mean, you can go to your familiar, you know, really bad team. UCLA is just an embarrassment. Oh. I mean, my God. Um, so there's a lot out there, honestly. I mean, there, there's a lot. I think if I had to pick one, though, I mean, Florida State is the one that, like, they, they should be so much better, and they looked like they were so much better uh, for the, the last three halves of football. Just really, really not good. That it's almost like find a way to win, too. Is... Oh, yeah. Marley, you go uh, ahead. All right. Um, no, that, I mean, you're, you're spot on with that. I tell you what, like, from a gambling standpoint, Kansas has ruined uh, a majority of, of my savings from this, this past weekend. That's been tough. 
That's um, very sad to hear, by the way. That's like one of the most depressing sentences in the history of gambling. Like, like <laughs> gambling on Kansas? No, come on, you stick around. It gets way worse. <laughs> um, no, but like I think a lot of times SEC fans they kind of miss out on what's going on nationally because of you know just being biased and and dismissive towards literally anything else going on in the rest of the country. What are they missing out on most so far this season, and what's something they should be on the lookout for in the next couple of weeks? Um, it, just in terms of national storylines, you mean? Yeah, um, I, I, I'm really curious with Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, mm. Michigan coming up here. I, obviously, the whole Michigan storyline is fascinating in itself, and I think people really enjoy hitting Jim Harbaugh. Um, but that game's in Madison next week, which uh, I'm really excited to see. Jonathan Taylor, their running back, of course, we're used to him running. Um, for like 2,000 yards plus and, and that being the only element of his game. The fact that they're like throwing him the ball a lot yeah. is really cool and it's kind of different. Um, so in terms of that, that's been really interesting um, to see. I mean, just the evolution of him, I thought, has been really, really cool. I think uh, with, you know, I'll go to the, an obvious place, but with Clemson, what's interesting about Clemson is Trevor Lawrence has just been like kind of average, like, uh, you know, th- he made a couple of throws against A&M that were not um, of this world, but also kind of average. Like, I just think the hierarchy of these top teams um, is really interesting to me. And what we're going to get from Lawrence, just kind of watching him has been curious because I don't think he's been as good as, as people expect, but, but certainly, you know, Clemson is doing fine. And then, yeah, I, I think the last one, you know, Ohio state, um, you know, Justin Fields has uh, essentially mirrored the, the insane production of Dwayne Haskins two games in from a year ago. The defense, I think, is better. Um, that's a team that if, if Fields continues to grow uh, as their schedule beefs up a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can do. Man, we've talked about booze and tailgating, eggs, obviously, and then, you know, kind of like, kind of being down on, on Trevor Lawrence. This is, I'm about to have a, like a shed a tear. This is beautiful. Um, give me, so you, we had a good time in Birmingham with karaoke night. And I know that you're a guy that, that likes to go out and enjoy himself tailgating scene. What's your favorite tailgating story ever go? Um, I, this is very sad. Uh, I've got, I've got good ones, but, but one of my favorites we were at, it was, Iowa's only game day. Um, they ever got Iowa, Ohio State, and so 2006? yes, good group of us together. Great tailgate, and one of my best friends is standing there, and another friend, one of his older brother, et cetera, et cetera, friend, friend, friend. Uh, he, he sees him and he's so excited he tackles him. Well, my buddy's foot gets caught on like a cooler, okay, like very awkwardly, uh, and he gets tackled over this cooler. And his foot yeah. like explodes, and uh, like it didn't break, but it like you, you knew something was screwed up. Like we were all very, very, um, we were feeling good at that point. And you're like looking at his ankle explode. It's like, hey, dude, we should probably take you to the hospital. Again, this is not a great story, but this is now it's a great story. Yeah, I did not see it but, going here, Adam. Jeez. So, so, um, but what I remember is like they they wheeled out a John Deere, okay, to like the middle oh, of wow. the tailgate and we we put him in there okay like on a bag of ice and i sat on there with him and it was like you had just he had just torn his acl on a football field like he was just getting carted off 
like oh like God. his legs straight, you know, and we're getting carted off. And like I remember the looks of people like, what the hell? Like it was just like a surreal right. scene. Now he didn't, now he didn't break anything. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> which was great. We, but but I'm, oh, he. I mean, his ankle probably will never be the same. And of course, we're in the you know the hospital trying to find the Iowa game, and Iowa got shellacked, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of my best tailgating stories are actually like scary. Like that, those are the best. Those are the memories, right? Like I, I saw a guy, <laughs> right. uh, you know, get hit with a you know with somebody drop a beer can on somebody from six stories up of a parking garage. The guy was fine. Where Wore are you tailgating? Incredibly. Oh yeah, no, it's high stakes tailgating where I'm at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, okay. So, uh, did you want me to say great memories and food had by all? No, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to say like a fa- like a Hallmark thing. I didn't realize it was yeah. going to be a Willis oh, McGahey injury made and a great some eggs. Queso dip. No, no. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but his ankle like literally shattered, and he got carted off. Um, but yeah, no. It, 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 I, I, that's the thing I really miss about covering the sport is you really can't do that as much anymore. Right. Uh, I really do miss that part. Like, the game going to games is great. I love going to games. But that, like, the the excitement that kind of goes away when this becomes a job, and it sort of just, it doesn't die. It's just sort of, like, negated, and it's just sort of, I don't know. It, it just, it's harnessed differently now. I really miss it that is. because there was nothing like that pregame moment. It's got dark. Adam, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad, though, that you went there because I was asked, uh, like, a question that we do on fourth and wrong, of, like, if you could tailgate outside of an SEC place, you know, where would you go? Where would you want to tailgate? And I said, Iowa tailgates. Iowa tailgates, they go hard. I was born and raised in the Midwest. I've been to my fair share of Iowa tailgates. Your stories just there confirmed everything that SEC fans should need to know about <laughs> Iowa tailgating. It's a great, not enjoyable it, at all, guys. Yeah, yeah. You would like broken bones and death. Uh, no, Iowa City is amazing. Um, Madison is amazing. Um, yep. Madison mm-hmm. is 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 one of the greatest college towns, uh, particularly like this time of year. If you go there in January, you're screwed. Um, but for for tailgating purposes, it's great. Um, I'm completely biased with Iowa, but yeah, like that's where you grow. Like you know, you grow up with the sport and you start to learn to love it. Like the culture there, just they just get it. And then they added you know the wave to the whole game day experience, which is just like so cool. You know, I spent a day up in that hospital. Like you know what I mean? Like I'll never. Look at um, you know covering that story. Like I'll, I will never, I'll never look at Iowa the same again. I mean that the best way imaginable. Like their game day experience now is is kind of surreal at this point. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, the big one of the big storylines in college football this year: transfer quarterbacks. Right now, there's you know a lot of talk, obviously, about Justin Fields. There's talk about Jalen Hurts. If I gave you grad transfer quarterbacks or the field for the Heisman, which side are you taking? Um, or maybe I, maybe I, just transfer quarterbacks in general, so not just grad I, transfer quarterbacks. So you yeah, can include so, Justin Fields. I'd still feel really good with Tua. Like I'd still feel really good with Tua. That's a great question, though. Um, Thank you. Because boy, oh boy, LSU's offense now all of a sudden they have an offense. Kind of weird. Um, and Fields looks like he'd be really good. I'd say you'd probably get like you know even on that plus Jalen Hurts. No, actually. Now that I'm talking through this, I would probably go the grad transfer route. Now that you talk going go. through this, because right. um, Trevor has been good, but numbers-wise, you know, who's, who, who knows? But he's not there yet. If you give me, essentially, you're giving me quarterbacks from LSU 
and Oklahoma and Ohio State. Am I missing anyone major? I'm sure I am. I could have had Jacob Eason at Washington. That feels a mm-hmm. little less awesome right now. Um, I feel really good about that. Okay, I, I feel re- I'll I'll take those three, and we'll see what happens with Tua, who who I think ultimately may win it. But I still love the value you're getting with those three. I mean, it's, I, I, also Joe Burrow is like like that was a body transfer or something. Like that dude right. looks like an NFL guy. Like that, but some of those throws the other night were just stupid. Like, and I get that the offense is changing, but I didn't see that transformation coming. And that's right. the guy right now that you feel like, you know, if I were to vote today, that, that, he'd probably get my vote. I don't vote, by the way. Thank God. Good decision. By them. <laughs> but if I did, like, based on what we've seen, that would be the guy that, that got my vote. So, yeah, I think the grad chancellor uh, pile, if you will, has a, has a great crack at it. Uh, Tate Martell, too. Don't forget about him. Tathan Martell. Can't forget yeah, about him. Yeah, slot receiver extraordinaire. Yes. That, mm-hmm. I can't forget, can't about, forget him. about that. So last year you wrote a great feature uh, about Josh Jacobs, which made it, it, you know, obviously a lot of our readers read that. Just great, great work about his backstory. For those who don't know kind of his backstory, can you just share what you took away from that and why he's such an easy guy to root for? Yeah, you know, that was a story that I originally got wind of like the year before. There had been some local stuff written about him, but not in depth. And um, I did that interview like the first interview, the fall prior to that. And I got some internal pushback originally from Bleach Report, like, hey, we don't know who this guy is. This sounds like a great story, but we want to get this going. And so it kind of went away for a while. Um, really? Okay. And that was, that, yeah, no, I mean, that, and that, dude, editorial and stuff, it, it kind of happens. This was a year prior. So leading up to the season, like, I mean, I knew Josh was an electric talent and stayed in contact and talked with Alabama and all of a sudden, like, you know, he's healthy again. He's, he's you know, getting carries. And as I'm putting that, the, the thing about that story, the biggest thing was, like, timing. As this story was coming together, like, he just started to explode. And it, it allowed, like, it was just a perfect match. Blew up against Mississippi State. Story, of course, he went nuts about the Iron Bowl. And the, really, the thing about him is his backstory, you know, the guy that was living in cars, living in hotels, large family who's endured quite a bit, kind of used to have to steal for his family to provide food, lived in a part um, of town. It's also that was was rough, was under-recruited, had injuries in high school. Uh, Alabama basically offered him a scholarship like two weeks before signing day. So when you take all of those ingredients, specifically the stuff that he's had to overcome, and now you look at it now, where he's a first-round pick, and he's changed his life forever. And, oh, by the way, he just had, like, one of the best debuts of any running back ever, uh, totally yep. over 100 yards and two touchdowns in the NFL back. Like, dude, this, this is so cool. Like, I, I, you know, I know as writers we're not supposed to have, you know, quote-unquote rooting interest, but, like, screw that. Like, that dude's awesome. That dude has been through everything. Like, he's got a fan for life in me, man. Like, I hope that dude just continues to thrive. And it's just amazing how much he's, like, how much his life has changed. You know, forget about the last year, last eight months. I mean, everything is so mm-hmm. different. Don't forget he murdered somebody on national TV in the Orange Bowl. Oh, my God. Oh, that's true. Gosh, that oh was, that was, I, w- I was there, like, in Miami when that happened. It was, it was like, 
It was incredible. It, you could hear it from like across the field. He, um, uh, he's got like I think they used to call Doug Martin like Muscle Hamster was his nickname, nickname mm-hmm. right? Right. Like I, I feel like he's a little Muscle Hamster. Like I feel like he's. Oh, I also, God. by the way, I think he, um, he's going to be the best receiving running back in the NFL, and will be one of the best receiving running backs ever to play. Dude's just awesome, man. Like he does everything. So. Man, I, I hope he's continuing to be great. I hope Oakland just doesn't suck completely and has to throw the ball like the entire game. They look like they'd be all right, uh, shockingly, yeah. um, because he's going to thrive. But, yeah, his his story is one, I think, and, and also kind of sadly, I think there are elements to his story that are relatable for a lot of student-athletes out there who are just trying to get by. Um, not a lot of them are blessed, or at least not – all of them are blessed with the ability of a Josh Jacobs who's able to see the thing through. Love it, man. Love it. We're going to we're gonna get you out of here. I, by the way, I promise I didn't pay Adam to say all of these things about Trevor Lawrence <laughs> and Bama running backs and drinking and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to get you out of here on my favorite game. You were made for this. We call it Family Feud for no logical reason. I'm just going to ask you some some very quick questions. You give me your, your initial first thing that pops in your head. Rapid fire questions. We've got usually we do ten. I think we've got fifteen. We'll see how far oh, we yeah. get through. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Connor, put two minutes on the clock. First question: If you were a character on The Office, who would you be? Michael Scott. Nice. Oh. Okay. Uh, if you could create a new white claw flavor, what would it be? Oh, oh man! So some sort of orange citrusy concoction but also involve pineapple i'd mix flavors a little bit more interesting like i'd like to get a pineapple orange strawberry like i'd like a combo of some of the things i I want like a muscle hamster white claw (laughs) (laughs) that's like just a bunch of caffeine that sounds Uh, gross exactly uh what's your go-to karaoke song i don't really do much karaoke but i'd probably be the corny a-hole you hate that does like journey. Like I, I'd be that guy because if I'm going to do it, I want you to really hate my guts because it's going to be bad. <laughs> let's, let's, let's have it be full bad. So I'd probably just go the total hallmark version of karaoke. Okay. That's fair. Mine's share. So I mean, we finally disagree on something. Uh, <laughs> go to hangover food. <laughs> you know, I just crapped all over eggs. Um, but, but I'll say the, uh, I've got a specific item. The bacon, egg, and cheese bagel from McDonald's. Like, when I'm on the road, right, Ooh. usually you're hungover after a game and you pull over. That thing is like a sponge. I feel like you eat that thing and it's a sponge. And you don't know how you're going to react. It's either going to be awesome or probably terrible like 25 minutes right. afterward. Is there is there anything better than McDonald's Coke when you're hungover? Oh, my God. Also, just ordering like five hash browns. Just like oh yeah, covering yeah. Well, it's for the fam. No, it's all for me. No, no, yeah, yeah. Kids, <laughs> are not in the car currently. Um, okay, we got we got a couple more here. If you could create your own turnover prop, what would it be? Oh my god, um, I want something ridiculous, like something absolutely like a like a turnover stuffed animal. That's just like a big stuffed yes. up animal teddy bear that you give to someone. Like, like not a scary one. No, no, very uh, adorable. A, a cuddly bear that someone hugs. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. I want the least menacing object possible. Turnover teddy bear. I like solid. that. That's, yeah, it just rolls off the tongue. Um, favorite teddy. SEC tradition? 
Um, God, I do love when that damn eagle flies around the stadium. I know the eagle okay, usually that's like going to end the uh, conversation now. I, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, but but like, I just love things involving live animals. Like, I, I wish we would trot Mike the Tiger out there and just let him roam. It'd probably yeah. be terrible. Yeah. But I, I just, I, I'm a, I know it's that's probably going to anger people. I just love anything that includes live animals, sadly. And I also think the whole cigar smoking thing, like after beating Tennessee, which so basically just buy cigars for the next 35 years so you have them. Um, <laughs> I think that's so old school. That's always like the charm of that is always, I've always enjoyed. Good save. Good save. Okay, we got three more. Um, favorite game day booze of choice? Game day booth, did, did you say? Booze. Booze? Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Um, you can't, I'm a big IPA guy. I'm a, like a beer, obnoxious beer fan, but you can't do that. I, I really think, yeah. like, I used to be a Bloody Mary guy. I, it's vodka, by the way, for me. Um, nice. But, but vodka's versatile, right? Like, you can yeah. start with Bloody Marys, you can go to screwdrivers, you can eventually drink it straight and probably be just, an absolute disaster afterwards. I, vodka to me is the best day progression. It has the most uses in terms of like morning to night. Yeah, and the calories are pretty light as well. Uh, yes, they are. Last two, you put it in some white claw. Last two questions. If you were making a boy band of college football coaches or players, who would make the group and what would be the name? Oh, crap. Um, well, uh, I wanted Kingsbury in there, but we can't have him anymore. No, I, actually, you know oh, what? Man. I would do like the, the burnout. Um, I would do Mac Brown. Let's do Les Miles. We can't do Bill yes. Snyder anymore, can we? Uh, like, the, like the old guy. Yeah, we club, can. Mac, let's do Mac Brown, Les Miles, Snyder. Let's get Saban in there <clears throat> and David Cutcliffe. Um, Ooh. Ooh. And, and we'll call it like old-time rock uh, N, like the letter N, like kegs and eggs, yep. roll. And all they do is go up there and, and hopefully not die. That is, wow. <laughs> that is really good. That is really good. Um, yeah, we're going to get you out of here on that because I know, I know you got somewhere to be. That was that was a fantastic answer. We're going to tally this up right now. Yeah, that's that's uh, 69 points there, Adam. That is wow. a that is a perfect nice. Very solid. Nice. Very, very solid. Adam, we appreciate you coming on. We know uh, things are going to get busy for you. Uh, wish you the best of luck with all your coverage. Hope your TV setup is allowing you to watch 50 games at once. We'll do this again real soon. Awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Excellent. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Adam for coming on. He's a busy man. Very busy man. I am so jealous of his TV setup. Oh, my gosh. I need to get that. The one thing I'll say about it is, because that I wasn't joking when I said that that's literally what I used as, like, Exhibit A to, to Allie. Like, please... Can we please get another TV? Your Can TV we... setup is new and improved. It's really yeah. nice. It's 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 a lot better. But like his is like it's so aesthetically pleasing. It's like it's so perfect on the wall. But there's always like the wiggles on one of the one of the TVs, mm-hmm. which is I mean that's just you know I'm I'm out of my wiggles phase. That's all. Yeah, everybody grows out of it at some yeah. point. Marler. He's still the man. They're they're great. Uh, him and shout out to our, our friend Paige as well over there at, at Bleacher Report. Let me give another shout out to somebody, and that is my good friend. Texas Pete. I was going to say, my transition was going to be, Marler, Texas Pete is a phase that you're never going to grow out of. And oh, without a like, doubt. Yeah. Boom. That's, I mean, that's, I'm sorry. I stopped, you want to do it again from the top? No, that's that's good. Okay. We'll, that's, that's fine. We'll let it sit there. 
I'll tell you what I'll never grow out of. These 34 Huskies in Texas Pete hot sauce. Um, so, listen, I, I told you guys my plight last week about how I've not been able to enjoy the sweet, sweet, delicious nectar. Um, it's what keeps me going. It's, it's you know, honestly, it's, it's you know, get a little sniff in the morning to wake you up, put it on a little eggs, anything. It's, it has so many uses. It's like duct tape, but for your taste buds. It's I like fantastic. That. Um, I have not been able to enjoy it because of this stupid appendix, which is the worst. My appendix could not stand the peat. Had to get out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So I've asked you to send your tailgating recipes, your favorite home recipes, home gating, if you will. Uh, and you guys came through in the clutch. It's been fantastic. Now, also, I want to give a shout out that like a couple of friends, I'm not going to say by name, that have been sneaking me some Texas peat on the side. Okay, a little flask full of Texas peat. I'm not above that. So I don't think anybody's above that. No, I would hope not. If you are tailgating this week, if you're at the tailgate with us in Columbia, make sure you send us pictures on Twitter, on Instagram, using the hashtag sauce like you mean it of your favorite Texas Pete tailgates, and then go to TexasPete.com slash tailgate for more awesome recipes. So I, th- I think you know what? This week will be a full seven days. I can get I can get back on the TP train. Gotta ride it, man. Gotta yeah. ride it and just see where it goes. Yeah, for that. We have something that we've talked about a little bit. Um, so we had somebody reach out. Wes Medaris. Medaris? Medaris? Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. Air Bear. Air Bear. So Wes reached out to us and was wondering, hey, I've got to do this. I've got to help my, I think it's his mother-in-law, who is moving the weekend, the Saturday. next. So it's a week from this Saturday. Georgia, Notre Dame playing in Athens. Divorce. He's a big Georgia fan, wants to be able to watch the dogs. So what we said we'd do, write a little doctor's note, a little, little get-out-of-work note to be able to say, hey, give this to your in-laws, whoever, the powers that be, to be able to, to kind of free you of that time. So wrote a little note for you, Wes. Here you go. To whom it may concern, on Saturday, September 24th, the Georgia Bulldogs will host the Irish of Notre Dame. Ooh, it is a game involving two top ten teams who have playoff aspirations, and this game could decide that. This isn't just another game. This is Kirby Smart showing the world that Georgia is ready to finally get over the hump in 2019. Yes, he did that in 2017. And yes, Georgia did get over the hump in 2017 because they got to a national championship. But in order for Kirby to truly show the world that Georgia is back, one can't be away from the TV, partaking in moving. From the hours of 8 p.m. Eastern Time until roughly 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I asked for a rest period, a ceasefire if you will. I will gladly sacrifice the rest of my day to pull my weight and help with the move. That much, I promise. In fact, I'll pull twice my weight if it means getting to watch my beloved dogs take on the Irish of Notre Dame and prove once and for all that Rudy was a fluke. Signed, the SDS Podcast. Okay, now listen, that was beautiful. Thank you. But that was like the eloquent letter. Yes. I'm going to give you the angry translator letter because this, this is something I've actually talked with Allie about. Like, like not even like when he first brought this up about a month ago, I was like, "Can you imagine? Your mom would never do that to me." She's like, "Yeah, it's, it's true. She would never do that." So here's what I think you should say. You can choose either <clears throat> Guinevere or whatever your name is. <laughs> no one moves at night. First off, okay, unless you're in trouble. The only people that are moving at night, they've they're they've got somewhere to hide. Okay, everyone should be done moving by eight. That's that's not in question. We can hire movers. You see signs all over the place. Also, keep up this attitude. I'm going to be moving you into a home. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think about that? That's not, a, that's not a threat. That's a promise. 
Okay, I'm it's trying impressive. to watch. Let me know a little bit. Yeah, it's probably too much. Um, that's I mean, that's how I would probably handle it. I feel like okay. my my note would just be like a like an envelope, and when she opened it, it'd be like a Ziploc bag in my appendix. I'd be like, I can't do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go dogs. That is graphic. Might mean too much for doing that. So Wes, take whichever one that you want, um, and you know, just feel free to give it to your in-laws. And if anybody, if you want to just kind of bleep out when I said the name Wes, if you're good at editing, yeah. if you do that on the back end, just put your own name in there. You're more than welcome to do that. We're not going to call you out. Just let us know if you do it. Let us know how it goes. Keep Guinevere, though. That's a good name. Yeah, it's a very good name. Fourth and wrong time. We skipped it. We skipped it the other day because you weren't here. And I was like, hey, that wouldn't be right if we didn't do fourth and wrong with, with, uh, without Marler. So the much-promised return of fourth and wrong. I am very excited. Um, I'm, hold on. I'm, I'm really sorry here. This is very unprofessional, but I'm getting blown up by Patty Sue. It is the return of fourth and wrong. We're almost towards the end. I can't believe I've, I've made it a full non-Hugh Freeze SES pod here. Um, I want to remind you guys again, if you are in Columbia, please come out to the tailgate. We're going to have a yes. blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come to the comedy show if you want, but definitely come to the tailgate the day of. Um, and, you know, like Connor said, we're back at it. Fourth and wrong. Here we go. We ask you to submit questions or advice you want answered, non-football related. First question from Bradley Zimanek. What is the best sad fans or sad moment environment you've ever witnessed in person at a game? Last year, that Georgia, watching Georgia fans in the SEC championship was up there. I, in terms of games that I've been at where you just felt like the wind was just sort of taken out of them, that was tough. And I, I was trying not to focus as much on you being super, super ecstatic and yelling roll tide to everybody who would. Only Bama fans. Shot. Yeah, only Bama fans that you do that. You weren't trolling Georgia fans. You were being respectful. But I was trying to gauge how just, just how depressed Georgia fans looked in that moment. And I hate to rub salt in the wound. But that would probably be my example for that. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. In person, it's hard to say because I, I just feel like there was such a long period of, of most of my life, probably up until about two years ago, that I was the saddest fan. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. It's tough to beat the the whole – I'm pretty sure I, like, Texas cried, like, Texas kid cried after the Iron Bowl in 97. Oh, I thought you were talking about Texas kid who cried this past weekend. Yeah, but it, was, but it was me in real life in 1997. So it's gotcha. just – I'm here oh, for you, you were that. I yeah. got you. Um, I mean, that 2010 comeback, that was pretty tough. I, I'm pretty sure that's when I bought Moonshine from a stranger in a parking lot and passed out in a, in a Toyota 4Runner. So. so moving on to the next question <laughs> um, from Tiffany Canada? Canada. I don't know. What did you do as a child that got you into the most trouble? My parents had this this jar of change that just sat on like our kitchen counter and it had like, you know, quarters, nickels, dimes, whatever. It was a spare change would just go in there. And one time when I was in like first grade or something, uh, my friend who lived like down the street, maybe like two blocks away, uh, he was willing to sell me some of his basketball cards. So I just went into this jar of change and just grabbed the big old handful. Stole from your parents? Basically, yeah. And I basically like just took that because I didn't have any money. I was in first grade, but I wanted these cards. So I knew that there was money in there, so I just like grabbed this like handful of change and went over there. And when I got home, needless to say, it did not end well for me. Um, I don't. I mean, like I was a I was a pretty just great angel child when I was mm-hmm. growing up. Um, but I will say this: I was I may not look like it now. I was really fast, and I remember you know single mom Patty Sue. She would be just her patience was wearing thin, and I would just be annoying as you can imagine. And at one, I think one time she maybe go upstairs and like turn off the TV or something like that. And I was like, no, and I just remember thinking, I was like, there's no way she's going to catch me. 
Um, and she started counting to three. I was like, there's absolutely no way she can catch me. And I turned the corner, started going up the stairs, and she grabbed my ankle and then found a, a sandal and just, man, never did that again. Wow. Went right to my room all the time uh, and, and never talked back to my mom after that. So Yeah, it's it's always the, the, the worst punishments, like, when you when you just blatantly just disregard what your parents are saying, that's yeah. that's that's what's really going to set them off every single time. Right. Um, I probably have better examples if I really really wanted to go dig deep and think about that. But that's that's like kind of the at the surface punishment that I want to go to. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, third question. Since you just had surgery, I think this is you pretend you had surgery. Hypothetically, okay. if you had to choose an SEC coach to double as your surgeon, who would you choose? Which SEC coach would you get off the table if you saw that they were your surgeon? While Saban is an ideal choice, keep in mind he was back to work day two after his hip replacement Mm -hmm. goals. He would probably expect you to do the same. I would run from Pruitt, especially if he compared his medical practice to the Titanic. That's from Megan Riley. Topical. (laughs) That's good. Uh, I'm guessing this is just pertaining to you, but I'll answer it anyways. So if I had to have an SEC coach as a surgeon... I'm Mullen is my my like default answer for that just because he's so precise and I think he takes that stuff very seriously he's very analytical and then he just kind of goes he's not as much of of a of a football guy from from his approach that's I think something that we can say safely and he wouldn't just be like you know Newt Gus would come in there without even Novocaine and he'd just be like hey yo get her done and then just send you on your way and you'd be sitting there in pain crying like hey my leg is falling off this is terrible um, but so I would probably go with Mullen for that. Um, which SEC coach would you get off the table if you saw that there were your surgeon? I, I love him. He's he's our guy. Say because you're right. I don't want Mark Stoops doing my surgery. Oh, that's not what I thought. Okay. Uh, it, you were going Coach O probably, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Either of those bare hands. Just too rough. Too you rough. Just gavel. No, I, Del- I didn't come I want off delicate this week. Yeah, delicate hands doing my surgery. Um, I would I would say Mullen too. He seems like he could be a good surgeon. Mm-hmm. Jimbo would be a, a close second. I don't feel like Saban would do it. I feel like he would just be like the the guy overseeing everything, like on Scrubs. It's like the real, real. Oh yeah, what's what's his name again? The I'm curmudgeon. Blanking. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, see, who who would I not? It's either Orgeron or Chad Morris. Like I feel like Chad Morris would drop like like a stick of juicy fruit into into my body and not even notice it because he's just so like hyped up all the time. That'd be gross. That would be gross. They'd get that out too. Uh, last question: You guys both seem to genuinely like each other and this job. What did you think on day one before you knew your partner like you do now? I don't like they said your partner. Did you think <laughs> this would work? That's from Jay Woody. Here's what I'll say: I thought day one it would work. Oh and wow! That was just from having a, a conversation with you where we did. Uh, people don't know this, but we basically, I think we did two trial runs of hosting a podcast that didn't go to air or anything. And yeah. the, intention, the intention was, what's our chemistry going to be like? Can we play off of each other? Do, do our sense of humor really balance it in work? And I Is have that, that those that? senses of like, humor, sense of humors, whatever it's humor called. Humor-i. The humor, the humoruses. Um, they, I think that the, based on that, I was very confident that it was going to work. And I remember thinking... Marlon and I are very different people, but that's good. And, and I think that that kind of balances it balances it out. Both of us have adjusted a little bit to meet more kind of in the yeah. middle. We talked about that before of like, 
I've I've learned to open up a little bit more, learn to have a little bit more fun. I You've kind of learned that you grew a beard exactly like I did, and then you kind of got with the program with that, just from an organizational standpoint and all those other yeah. things. So like I think we kind of had a give and take early on that I could tell was going to be successful. Okay, I didn't see you going uh, that way with this answer, so don't be upset with this response because everything is awesome now. The first thing I remember you saying to me when we, we sat down to record, and keep in mind, I had been doing like winning and boozing and stand-up comedy, so I was like sitting down in my fort oh, with, yeah, with like right. a solo cup full of vodka, and was, or like, maybe it was like a bottle of beer, I don't know, but either way, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to be loose and be me and blah, 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 and I remember right, like literally right before we hit the record button, you, you took out your headphone and you go, oh, by the way, I don't curse, and I was like, oh my God. What have I gotten myself into? Because I like that. That's what I do. That's what I did most of of the time. C. Wright, our editor, told me before yeah. we ever record a podcast, he's like, "You're gonna have to be careful with Marler. He curses like a sailor." And yeah. I'm like, "All right. Well, it's, we can. We'll work with that." And and all it has turned into is basically whenever you're about to curse, he'll just say blank because you can't think of a word to replace it, which I have right. learned how to do over time with not cursing. Like an adult, yeah. So in time, though, we're we're, we're figuring that out, and I, that hasn't like necessarily. I don't think that's necessarily held us back or anything. No, no. I, I mean, honestly, like, see, right, like, first time I met him, he called me Chris effing Marler. That's not, like, something, <laughs> like, a badge of honor, I guess. But, um, no, like, it's it's honestly, it's worked out so much better than, like, I ever thought. And it's been, it's been incredible. Like, we, I feel like we're, c- like, constantly had to stride. And honestly, you know, like, I, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but when you listen to other podcasts, like, I sent you one this week, and it was like, it's almost like you cringe at seeing some of these, this forced... Uh, you know, interaction and like friendliness or just like compatibility. And it's, I mean, yeah, you don't know anything about uh, most things, Connor, but you know, neither do I. And we balance each other out. Yeah. If you've been with us since day one, we appreciate it. Not to get too yeah. sentimental or anything like that, but because that's too many podcasts in a row that we've gotten sentimental. You basically going to surgery has made this, you know, more of like, man, I'm just thinking about my life. Blame it on my appendix. Um, no, but thank you seriously to everybody who's followed along since since day one, or maybe you just started listening a month ago, you started listening over the summer, whatever it is, thank you so much. We're going to continue to bring it for you during the season. Let's close out with It Might Mean Too Much. This isn't really as much of uh, and It Might Mean Too Much over the top fandom. This is just a good story that I want to share. And by now, people have probably seen it. I know things have been really, really rough for Tennessee, but this was just the feel-good story of the week, in my opinion, in college football. So... If you don't know, there was a kid um, in elementary school, actually here where I live in Altamont Springs, Florida, which makes no sense whatsoever. You were That's bullying very, this kid? Very, very random. Um, so, yeah. So this kid um, showed up to school, and it was uh, college spirit week, and he didn't have didn't have money for a Tennessee shirt, so he had an orange T-shirt, and he stapled um, a piece of paper with UT drawn in on there, and it was just stapled onto his T-shirt. And he was sitting at the lunch table. He was all excited to wear a shirt. Um, and like apparently like these girls were making fun of him. And he comes back into his classroom. He's crying. And his teacher's like, you know, like, what's wrong? Blah, blah, blah. And so the teacher felt so bad for him that she sent out a message on Facebook basically saying like, hey, um, I'd love to get this kid some actual gear. He deserves yeah. it. Like this, this is just awful that something like this happened. I hate that this happened in, in my class. And then so Tennessee stepped up and sent the entire class Tennessee gear. I mean, just unbelievable. Like the well, amount made of his stuff design. that they, and made his design with these shirts too, which is just so cool. Like the design that he drew on his homemade T-shirt, and that that got drawn on the rock. They're selling these T-shirts now. Um, all the proceeds are going to an anti-bullying campaign. Like really, really cool gesture yeah. by Tennessee. And it, in a week where like Tennessee is 
is like obviously Tennessee fans are frustrated with the way that things have started. This has just been terrible. It's nice to actually see, and Ball Twitter has been such a popular topic of conversation the last two, three years. It's nice to see that the good of social media isn't totally lost and yeah. that something like this could actually happen. I mean, yeah, I think you nailed it. Like with like this losses on the field, this is so this was so great. Like this is just like I don't want to sound like Butch Jones, but like this is a bigger win than like those like those losses were. For like for this kid especially. I remember when I made, his, time when I was made like, his life by yes. doing this. I mean like they couldn't have carried it out in a better way. Like and you and again, all jokes aside, you see how bad people could be at social media, like Florida State. And oh. it, what they've been able to do out here was like is really cool. I, I think one time when I was eight, I bought a Tennessee hat. I don't know why my dad wouldn't let me in the car. So you know, hats <laughs> off to this kid. If I still have that hat, I'll send it to you. A little bit different. A little bit different. So wanted to get everybody off on on a positive note going into the weekend. Um, we know everybody is not undefeated, but everybody should be able to pick up week three wins in the SEC. That's that's the expectation. Well, I, Florida and Kentucky are playing, but at least one SEC team is going to win there. If you have not yet joined our Facebook group, it is really blown up. We're up over a thousand members. We got great discussion topics going, a lot of good game day threads, a lot of yeah. interesting things that are brought up, some good social media type stuff as well. Um, Marler is going to crush it this week at the tailgate in Columbia, his comedy show as well. Make sure that you're following along all of our social media to be able to stick with all updates on that. Maybe even run into our good buddy Stephen Garcia down there at Columbia. Yeah, I hope hour. so. Uh, by the way, speaking of Stephen Garcia, everyone, I should have said this earlier. If you go to the comedy show, it's not a, it's, it's not a suitable for work show. Just, just get that out of the way now. <laughs> I'm like not kidding. I just, I don't want anyone to come with like family or anything like that. Yeah, if you have kids uh, who are not aware of Marlar's, um, let's just say cursing like a sailor. Let's, let's yeah. bring that back. And yeah, I mean, just, just see him on Saturday instead. Yeah. So follow along. Marla's going to have some great social media content, I'm sure, from Columbia. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod. Follow us uh, at Vern Funquist. Yeah. CJ O'Gara. Coach O, we didn't get to talk to you over the weekend. Are you doing well? And can you give us a sign off? I lost like 28 pounds. This song play got the attention. Mm. Regardless, it might be too much. Talk to you this weekend. <laughs>